everyone. Welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. It's me, Maggie, and I am sitting today with Jamie Brenner. She is an author of many books, but specifically today we are going to be talking about guilt. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm great, Maggie. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being on. I just want to say to start that I really enjoyed reading this book. It was so much fun. Um, so thank you so much for sending it to us. Oh, thank you. That makes me happy. That's I try. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> um, and then sort of as a warm-up question, Jamie, what is sort of your favorite snack and drink combo while you are doing your writing? Oh, Maggie, I'm such a coffee addict. Yes. And then if a slump occurs, chocolate must be brought into the mix. <laughs> and that's how the day goes. I feel that so intensely. I'm such a coffee person. I don't even know if I, like, I know I enjoy coffee, but it's gotten to the point of where I want a cup of coffee just next to me if I'm doing any sort of work. Oh yeah. It's the, the addiction is real. And <laughs> I, I've actually started spending time worrying about a potential coffee bean shortage. As oh, all no. these shortages are occurring in the world, I'm just like, okay, please just not coffee. <laughs> I'm going to have to start stocking up on some beans. I'm hoarding. I'm hoarding already. (laughs) Well, Jamie, could you tell us a little bit about guilt and a little bit about yourself as an author? So guilt is my seventh novel. I think I've been writing a book, publishing a book every summer since 2016. Guilt is my latest. And for anyone who hasn't seen the cover, it's guilt, G-I-L-T, which is guilt is a gold coating on something that is actually less valuable than gold underneath. So it's, it's the superficial appearance of gold. And then, of course, it sounds like guilt, G-U-I-L-T, which is a, a predominant emotion experienced by the characters. Guilt is the story of a jewelry dynasty. The family made their fortune selling diamond engagement rings. But after a ill-conceived publicity stunt, pitting three sisters against one another for a famous pink diamond, all three sisters end up extremely unlucky in love. Absolutely. Would you say, um, Jamie, you've you mentioned that you have had a book come out every summer for the past seven years now. Would you say that you're writing like really good beach reads? Definitely. Beach reads, family stories. It's mothers, daughters, sisters, romances, all that good stuff. But yes, they're always set in a beautiful beach town. And I really like the contrast of family drama that can get kind of ugly in a place that is just endlessly beautiful. Absolutely. I will say my favorite thing about the book was the really, really complex relationships between all of the women and how distinct and strong all of your female characters were. Do you do that purposefully? Do you make a point to be sort of um, feminist and forward with all of your female characters? I do. You know, I was strongly influenced by the books I read growing up, not the books, you know, that I was assigned in school, but books that I used to sneak out of the library by Jackie Collins and Judith Kranz um, and Shirley Conran. And they were all based around these um, 
rule-breaking women who didn't ask permission to go after what they wanted in life. And that was very eye-opening to me as a girl growing up in the 70s and 80s. And it it stayed with me as sort of a, a trait that I want in all of my heroines. They may not know how to be like that at the beginning of the book, but hopefully that's that's a power they gain along the way. Absolutely. And I think it is so important to have strong female characters with so many different wants and wishes. Um, you have characters that are very romance-driven, academically-driven, and career-driven. And I think that that's so accurate because I think a lot of the time when we think of a strong female character, we think of sort of the independent career woman, but there are so many different ways to really be a fulfilled, complex female character. Absolutely. And, you know, it's totally normal to want all of that in life. Mm -hmm. You know, there was the saying for a while you can't have it all. And maybe you can't have it all at one exact moment. But if you work really hard and try, you could probably have a little piece of it all at various times. And I think finding that balance is what ultimately leads us to the most fulfilling life. And when you start saying, well, I'm only going to focus on this or, oh, I really don't need that. That's when you sort of can get into trouble and you find out something important is missing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Jamie, I have to I have to know because you wrote about it in such detail. Did you know anything about the jewelry making business before writing this book? I did not. Um, I really fell in love with this jewelry brand called Lulu Frost. Um, I was in a store in Sag Harbor called Matriarch and I saw this display of these large charms, like uh, letters and numbers in gold and brass. And the store owner told me, oh, that's Lulu Frost. That's her plaza collection. When the Plaza Hotel in New York City was being renovated, they dismantled it. And this jewelry designer collected all the door markings, the letters and numbers, and turned them into charms. And I thought, wow, that is so brilliant because you can make it personal with your initial, but it's also a little piece of New York City history. So I reached out to the jewelry designer. Her name's Lisa Salzer. And I learned a lot about, you know, her interest in jewelry and how she started with making little antiques into charms out of her dorm room in college. And that's what sent me down this path. Um, I'd really intended to spend time with her in her studio, but this was the spring and summer of 2020. So when COVID hit, I was really limited to how much I could do in person. And I turned instead to some really great nonfiction books about jewelry, the history of jewelry, uh, the craft of jewelry. And those books helped me shape the story as well. Wow. I mean, it's definitely clear that you put so much work into it because everything felt so grounded in the history. And I also just want to say, I know our listeners can't see it. Um, You're wearing one of the Lulu Frost necklaces. I am. This is a G for guilt. Um, Lulu Frost and I actually did an event together two nights ago in New York City. Oh my god! Launch of the book, and she gave this to me that night, um, which I'm. I just I love it. And anyone who's interested in um, 
vintage jewelry, steak jewelry, charms, go to lulufrost.com and you'll see exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, they are. It looks so cool. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's Um, really cool. Oh my gosh. For those of you interested, I'll be sure to put the link in the episode description because I'm going to be taking a peek when we finish (laughs) recording. Be careful. Her stuff's as addictive as coffee. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Jamie, do you have a favorite line or section of the book that you would like to share with us? There, there are sentiments throughout the book that come out in dialogue. And some sentiments are wisdom and some sentiments are folly. And I'll, I'll read a few of them. Um, well, one is the, it conveys the history of the family. A diamond says love. With those four little words, her great-grandfather had created the idea of the diamond engagement ring. Buying a Pavlin diamond wasn't just buying a piece of jewelry. It was buying the promise of love. And that's really how people started getting in trouble in my story. You know, when (laughs) you start conflating diamonds with love, you're really losing the sense of what's truly valuable. And that is um, a mistake the father in the story made. You know, he was so intent on selling diamonds that he lost sight of what was most important, which was the happiness and care of his daughters. Um, but there is a granddaughter comes back. She is now a jewelry designer in her, in her own right. And she says, women don't need to wait around for someone to buy them a diamond. They know how to celebrate themselves. And I have yes. really found that to be true. Like some of my favorite jewelry are just things I've, picked up along the way in life. They're not necessarily the most expensive. They just mean something to me. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, when I was reading it, a part of it felt, um, I, I started to feel like these these people were real. I like wanted to look up her rock candy business. <laughs> it just sounded, her jewelry sounded so amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, there's so much fun stuff on Instagram. I mean, if you yeah. look at jewel, you can go down a rabbit hole or wormhole, whatever it's called, you know, for hours just looking. There's so many jewelry designers on Instagram. And that's one of the cool things about the industry today is you don't need a storefront on Fifth Avenue to sell jewelry. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many people who are just putting it out there in this um virtual way, you know, doing live streams. There's this place, Market Square Jewelry, and they do live stream events a few times a week. And it's really, really fun to see pieces and just be able to direct message them and and buy it for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I just want to go back to the first quote you shared just for a second, because when I read um, the back of the book and when I started getting into the book, I thought it was going to be, and it is, um, a family drama about this business, but so much of the themes are love and how each of them has succeeded and failed at love and how it relates to the jewelry business, which I think that line felt clearer to me as I continued reading the book. Oh, I'm really glad to hear that. When I started researching, I learned so much about how the idea of a diamond engagement ring really was just a marketing, uh, concoction by De Beers. Mm-hmm. And yet the diamond uh, and love have become, you know, conflated in this way that can really be misleading. Um, there was the slogan, you know, a diamond is forever, which is how De Beers launched their 
their marketing campaign. And if you think about it, um, well, diamond isn't forever. That's a myth. You know, it can be, it can yes. break. It can disappear. What's forever? Love is forever. You know, like people lose sight of what the real value is. Um, the engagement ring can be a symbol of a promise, but that in itself is not the thing that's most important. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Jamie, I'm going to ask you a question that I know might be hard, but do you have a favorite character? And if it's a different one, which character do you see yourself most as and why? I think my favorite character is Elodie, who is um, the, I'm trying to remember, the middle sister who is very misguided. She is incredibly focused on work and she wants to be the face of Pavlin and co. And she's at the helm to the exclusion of anything else in her life, not her sisters. She has no partner, no children. Um, and that's the way she has sort of built up her self-esteem and also at the same time, not taken the risks that it takes to have rewarding relationships. So I liked writing her because she had so much to learn over the course of the book. Yeah. Um, and she's someone who starts out so sure that she's got it all figured out and very quickly just comes up against many brick walls. And the way she handles that to me was funny and sad and, you know, a real joy to write. And I don't feel like I'm like any of the characters, but there's little bits of all of them in me or little bits of me in all of them. You know, there, there's something in all of them I can empathize with. And I think you have to have that empathy in order to tell their side of the story. Absolutely. I completely yeah. agree. I think it's important when you're writing a story um, to sort of understand and empathize with all of your characters because that's what makes them like fully real. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, and I just want to say Elodie is the character that stuck out most to me while reading this. I felt like when I started um, Gemma and Celeste, yes. is it? Yes. had sort of an immediate warmth to them, whether it was like the underdog feel or just being like really sweet. But Elodie grew on me as I read the book and I, I loved her by the end. Oh, I'm so glad. That makes me happy. <laughs> um, so doing a little bit of a 180, I would love to talk to you a little bit about your writing process. Do you have a writing process and how would you describe um, how you create stories and how you start writing your books? My process is is very much literally a process. It's research, it's outlining, it's daily word count that I try not to let myself deviate from because in order to publish a book a year, I have to have, you know, an organized schedule. I write mostly every day and even if it's a bad day of writing, it's better to have a few messy pages that you can fix up than nothing at all. So it Absolutely. starts with the idea, then it's research, then it's months and months of writing, outlining, revising. Um, and that's what keeps me on track. Nice. I really admire that. I mean, a book a year must be so much work. It is. Yeah. <laughs> not gonna lie. It is a lot of work. Um, but luckily, you know, I have a great agent who reads early drafts and it's very supportive. And I love it. I love books. I love book people. I love readers. I'm a reader. So it's hard work, but, you know, I'm really, really happy to be, to make, revolve my life around this. Yeah. Did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? Um, have you always considered yourself a storyteller in some way? 
Yes. I always knew I wanted to be a writer. I just didn't think it was realistic, you know, a realistic yeah. goal. So out of college, I was, well, I was an English major and then I got a job in book publishing. And it was only after many years working with writers that I got up the nerve to actually try writing myself because I saw, you know, there's no magic to it. It's a lot of hard work and just mm -hmm. putting yourself out there and trying. And, um, you know, but deep down, it's something I always wanted, even when I didn't understand how to go about making it happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Was there a specific moment that you remember where you felt inspired to write your first book? Well, when I was in eighth grade reading Jackie Collins and Judith Kranz, that was when I said, you know, I want to do this. I want to put mm -hmm. stories on a page. I want to set women in these fantastic situations and have them solve problems and set a good example. Um, and I, I always wrote stories. I just didn't actually show them to anyone until I was maybe around 40. And there was no one specific moment. It was just a gradual feeling of, you know, how long are you going to wait to do this? Yeah. You know, you can't, you know, there's never, there's never going to be someone who comes knocking on your door and says, Oh, do you have a story we can have? You know, I realized I had to just put it out there. No matter yeah. what happens. It's a huge act of bravery. I think to put something that you write out there, because even if it isn't autobiographical, so many stories hold so many pieces of who we are and what we believe in. And yeah, Definitely. I mean, and especially today, because there's so many outlets for people to voice their opinions of books, you know, for better or worse, you know, it's very hard. Like imagine going to your job and then there's a website where there's just like hundreds of people weighing in about how good or bad a job <laughs> you did. You know, it's like, it's a very strange yeah. uh, endeavor. So no, it's it's not um, that part of it's not easy, but it's totally worth it to you know yeah. to connect with people and get to say the things you want to say. Absolutely, and I mean, think about how many people are enjoying your books. I mean, you know, there must be quite a few if you get to publish one a year. And I really enjoyed your book, and I think listen to those voices. <laughs> No, it's all good. It's all good. good. I've met so many wonderful people. And again, I feel so fortunate just to talk to someone like you or the people I meet on book tour. I'm going on book tour now. Um, my website, jamiebrenner.com. You can find dates in case I'm coming to a town near you. And I'm on Instagram at jamiebrennerwrites. And those are the two best ways to stay connected and keep in touch. Oh, wonderful. For those of you who are interested, I'm going to put her website and Jamie's Instagram in the episode description. You'll also be able to find that information on our Instagram after her episode airs. Jamie, do you feel like you've talked about it a little bit, um, but were there any specific books that you felt were your inspiration? There have been a lot, you know, over the years and different books have inspired me in different ways. Um, mm -hmm. I love Ellen Hildebrand's novels and she was you know, one of the prototypical sort of beach books that I I loved. Um, before that, Anne Rivers Siddons wrote these beautiful Outer Banks novels. And that also gave me the idea of summer and the sea and, and how these remote locations can be part of our reinvention or course correction. And again, you know, Jackie Collins and Judith Kranz, those extravagant blockbusters of the 80s. And I mean, I love literature. I mean, Margaret Atwood. Mm -hmm. I like Ann Patchett. I think, you know, I'm a book lover first and I read across the board. And it's the feeling that books give me of 
totally being out of my own head for just the hour or two, you know, that's it. It doesn't matter whether it's literature or a beach read or a thriller. It's that Mm -hmm. feeling that we all get of letting go and putting our like thoughts in someone else's hands for as long as we can stick with the book. Oh, 100%. I think it's so important to, you know, enjoy the books that you love, whether it is thrillers or beach reads. If you feel connected to the characters and immersed in a world for a little bit, that's something that's really, really special. Definitely. Oh, Jamie, last question for you. What is your all-time favorite book? My all-time favorite book is Mistral's Daughter by Judith Kranz, which is this epic story of three generations of these fabulous redheads spanning New York City and war-torn France. And it's absolutely a perfect story. I highly recommend it. It, I think it came out in like 1985. Okay, amazing. I've never heard of that book. I'm definitely going to have to check it out. Yeah, it is phenomenal. It should be, it deserves to be in the canon as a classic. Okay, I am going to put it on my list and get to it. Jamie, any final thoughts or words that you would like to leave our novel finds listeners? Just happy summer reading. And if you have not read any of my books, I'd be thrilled if you ventured into one of them and uh, stay in touch. Wonderful. Um, Jamie, really quick, where can people find your books? Anywhere books are sold. Signed copies of Guilt are available now through Provincetown Bookshop. I'm sorry, East End Books in Provincetown, East End Books. Um, Also, Main Point Books in Wayne, PA, which is close to where I'm living now. Those two places have plenty of signed copies, but it's available as an audiobook. Any form you like to read in, you can find Guilt. Wonderful. Jamie, thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. We loved having you. Well, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and a huge thank you to Jamie Brunner for joining us today. If you like what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family. And if you're listening with Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. And if you are interested in joining our Novel Finds community on Patreon, please follow the link in our bio. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Thank you so much for being a novel friend. We will see you all next week. Bye.